This episode of Converge is sponsored by Go, the Converge Summit. Go is our two and a half day live conference held in beautiful Southern California. I know, right? SoCal in January really is as good as it sounds. Go is built from the ground up by creative entrepreneurs just like you to inspire, train, and launch your business like no other year. Want to join us this January? For more, check out ConvergeSummit.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. Everyone knows that Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast, brings on luminaries who have made something remarkable out of what they make. And today is no exception. You may not know who Sharla Avery is. She might not be a brand name on the tip of your tongue, but she is a hero in my book. Uh, She is one of those I like to call come from there to come here. There was like, that was then and this is now. And her then included divorce, single parenthood, two full-time jobs, and a life that in her words was depressing, where she was drowning and she felt hopeless. To now where she has uh, quit some of those life debilitating roles. She is a full-time photographer for the first time in 35 years. She also is engaged. She's opening a whole new business with her new partner. And her attitude is described as hopeful in contrast with hopeless. And I've been in enough conversations with folks who are connected to this conversation in our community at Gobi Collective to know that this is not an unfamiliar storyline. Folks who are just in a place of stuckness, some of you are listening and that's where you're at. And others have also seen what stuckness feels like and are on the other side of it. And you know that that journey, as treacherous as it might feel, is worth every second of it. And Sharla is someone who I think will not only inspire that for you to take that journey, to appreciate the journey you're on, but ultimately to capitalize and acknowledge what it will take in your guts to get to where you're committed to go. Do it. You have to do it. You owe it to yourself to do it. And it's better to do it and fail than not to do it at all. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Charlotte Avery, welcome to Converge. Hi, Dane. We have been friends for a long time, and I love your story. It's one that not only brings kind of a smile to my face, but a, a sense of, I, I guess, hope. Like it just, it, you you uh, are someone, you're a poster child for me of our, our, our community. We talk about you all the time internally as someone who's just really turned a massive corner in your life. But to give people context uh, for folks at home, uh, because you're not necessarily a public persona, you, you, you just run a local business and you do amazing work. Uh, let's just start at the beginning of our friendship. I met you when you took a workshop of mine back in what year was that? 2009. 2009. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so over a half a decade ago. And you showed up in the scene. I remember at the at the end of our at the workshop, we did a little competition with some models that we had that we were shooting, and and you were like the the breakout star that that won the competition. 
And I remember like how much your images stood out compared to the other great students that were there. But it was more your kind of way of being. And I remember there was this kind of contrast of when you were shooting, you seemed really alive. But when I heard you describe your life, <laughs> uh, there were tears and struggles and challenges. And I'm wondering if you could just start with kind of what that world felt like back then. <sighs> well, thank you um, for those words. Um, well, I think it, it, it was a really difficult season for me. Um, I had experienced a miscarriage and then, and then went through a pregnancy right after that, that had some, um, complications. Um, but, and, you know, in the end ended well, because I have a little girl named Brooklyn and went through postpartum and then a lot of, um, difficulties with my marriage that ultimately ended in divorce. Um, so yeah, so for it, just everything felt like a struggle, like a really big struggle. And I think photography for me, it, it really was healing for me. Um, I really enjoyed capturing other people's stories and I think I really do come alive when I'm behind the camera. Yeah. I remember it was such a, like, stark difference uh when you were sharing kind of the reality and i remember even it wasn't just kind of your direct personal life those relationship challenges and that but also the extended part of that where the community around you especially as you're walking through the the really challenging uh you know days of divorce how there was there were kind of a ripple effect that affected multiple relationships not just your marriage if, if i remember right is that right Yes. I think if you have any friends or if you've ever been through a divorce yourself, um, it's really challenging for the people that are close to you. And, um, I lost quite a few friendships in that process. And I, and I just, I think it is a loss for everyone, just not the marriage and the couple. So, um, and I've been through it twice. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I do. So in the first time, you know, it was a loss of the church and a lot of the relationships that I had made in, um, in that scene. Um, so then that, you know, that took a, that really took, um, a toll on my faith for a while. So, yeah, I mean, just navigating those waters and just, it's, it's just a loss on so many different levels. It's really difficult. So that was in 2009 and walk us through the next five years. What, like what, what started showing up and how did you, how did you walk that out? Um, so 2009, I mean, I was, you know, my business was growing and doing really well. Um, and, and by business, you mean your photo business? My photography business. I, and simultaneously you were teaching? I was teaching full-time high school. Um, I was a Spanish teacher at the time. 2012, I would say was my best year um, in terms of photography in addition to working um, at the high school, I shot 12 weddings of my own, plus, I don't know, dozens of photo sessions and second shooting for other photographers. And that was on the cusp of my marriage ending. So I had the my busiest, most challenging year in the midst of losing my marriage. And after that, I just, I decided I needed to take a step back. 2012 was it was brutal. So taking a step away from wedding photography was probably one of the best things I ever did for myself. For one, it opened up space and time for me to take care of 
uh, myself and a lot of the things that were lacking in my life at the time. I got more involved in my church. I started running. I ran um, a half marathon in 2012 with my best time ever still to this day. Um, I started reading a lot. I started seeking out positive relationships and um, everybody always makes fun of me because I always post quotes and I post sunset shots, but I actively seeked out those types of things just to constantly be in a state of um, gratitude and to um, just stay in a mindset that was healthy. You know, I'd love to, let's camp out there for a minute. Cause I'd like to hear more about this, this mindset thing that was happening in like two, 2012. Cause I think for a lot of folks, they're relating with their world based on circumstances, right? Like they're, there's, if, if, if you walk up to anybody and you say, so how are you doing? The default position for a lot of the folks that I know is they answer it based on what's happening to them as opposed to what they're doing. And what I'm hearing you say is you had a lot happening to you and you made some conscious choices to orient your perspective in a particular direction. And, you know, actually I love the quote sunset idea, <laughs> even as a <laughs> metaphor, because it's so concrete and, and tangible. You decided to focus on you know, where there was light, where there was newness, where there was kind of hope in these, even these quotes, um, it seemed like that had a profound influence on you. Yes. I mean, most definitely did. Um, I think prior to that, I kind of, no, I was coming from a place of feeling like a victim. And like you said, like things were happening to me and that's a horrible place to be. And I, I really did change my mindset and take responsibility for all the things that had been going wrong in my life. And um, I wasn't blaming anyone anymore. I mean, I really could see how destructive I was in my own life. And the choices that I had made prior to that got me to where I was. And, um, you know, reading books and really focusing on making myself healthy and better and doing it daily and just constantly being in a position of, okay, what do I want this day to look like? It has made all the difference in the world to me. So that was in 2000 and kind of the mid, like the early like preteen two thousands and, and we, you know, we've had friendship all this time, all, all through it, uh, through various kind of iterations of our community. But, uh, in early 2015, you wandered back into our, our go summit and you had been the year before, if I remember right. Um, but it seemed like this particular January, something shifted at another level for you. Yeah. I think if you ever lived through a difficult season, um, you just appreciate when things are good and everything was good in my life when I came to go in last January, except for this restlessness I continue to feel with teaching. Um, and you know, I started teaching when I was 22 straight out of college. So I have 18 years under my belt now in the classroom and it never changed Sunday nights. I would always get very anxious 
about going back to the classroom. And at this point, something really great was happening because I was no longer teaching Spanish. I was, I actually wrote, I proposed and wrote the curriculum for photography for the whole district and got to be the first digital photography class ever taught. Um, and now it's being taught at several high schools throughout um, the district. So that was really exciting. And here I thought, I have my dream job. I'm teaching photography. I'm, you know, I have this successful business. Yet I was just still so unsettled. And teaching um, wasn't bringing me the same joy that it had in years prior. So when I came to go, I, I believe it was Adrian that asked us the question, how long have you wanted to do the thing that you wanted to do? And, and what is that thing? And we and just ha- for context so people don't know, uh, Adrian Kohler was one of our speakers at the ghost summit last year. And, and, and say, say, say what he asked again. I want to make sure everyone can hear it. He said, how long have you wanted to do the thing that you wanted to do? And what is that thing? And, and asked us to write it down. And I wrote it down being quitting teaching and, how long had I wanted to quit teaching was 10 years, like no joke. And that was kind of like a punch in the gut. I thought, Oh my gosh, I have literally wanted to quit for 10 years. That is a decade. That's a long time to want to do something and not do it. And it was a really profound moment. And at, at, at that whole weekend, I reflected so much about, um, about just 10 years of not doing it. And it was a really emotional moment for me to really realize that. It's funny when I remember that moment clearly, because you made this grand declaration of what you're going to do next. I remember kind of like, kind of getting really concerned yeah, <laughs> really you're like, quickly. I, I can sense your excitement, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I, I uh, there's something in particular about um, my friends who have gone through severe circumstances that, it's like you guys seem to have a more of an acute appreciation for time and how how precious and and expensive time is uh, beyond the circumstances. And it, it it seemed like that moment, like you, you went into this mode of like, no, you don't understand. It's not that I can't afford to give up my teaching job. I can't afford not to give up my teaching job. Like I I, I have to make a move. And you had this weird sense of urgency to your to your statement and declaration and everyone in the room was kind of like electrified by this <laughs> moment. And uh, I don't know if you remember it that way, but that's certainly how it landed for me. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how maybe the darker seasons really informed when you saw an avenue or a path or, or a way to exactly what you wanted to go and be about, uh, how that urgency kind of surged inside of you. Yeah. I mean, I think you're correct. I think, I mean, I think anybody who has, um, maybe gone through an illness or maybe lost someone really close. You do, you do get a sense of urgency. Um, this is kind of crazy, but I just turned 40 and had to get my first mammogram, which was really exciting and terrifying. And those days following it, I was like, Oh my gosh, like what if I have breast cancer? Oh my Lord. You know, and my first thought in reference to that question to myself, because I can kind of have a morbid sense of humor, um, was I'm so glad I quit teaching. Like, I'm so glad I did the thing (laughs) that I needed to do. And like, if I were to go, like, I would feel really good about the choices I'm making (laughs) right now. (laughs) Not horrible, but good. Yeah. I don't see that as horrible at all. In fact, what I hear in that is, 
an invitation for folks. Like there are literally folks at home who are hearing what you're saying right now. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Except for they haven't made the choice yet. They haven't gotten gotten on the, the road that's kind of they're made for. And at the same time, I, like you were in a unique position because it's not like you were entirely aspirational and you're going to go full time and like from scratch. Like you had actually been running a business on the side for several years and you had a competency. You were an award winning photographer. My gosh, you won an award at my own conference. And, <laughs> and at the same time, like it still felt terrifying to, you know, to it's, make this massive leap. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm picturing the folks at home who may be really resonating right now with like, okay, I've had challenging circumstances. I want to go from victim to responsibility. I know this has been on my heart for some time, but maybe they don't have the circumstances set up or they don't have the right kind of proven track record. Or like, what, what would you say to the folks who are trying to find that tension between uh, following what they know they're made to go do and being absolutely foolish and uh, like disproportionately risky, <laughs> especially if they have dependents? Because like, I know in your situation, you know, you had a kid at home and it, like, right. it wasn't just for you to work out. Right. Um, so when you're having coffee with people who are, are in that kind of mindset, how do you talk to them in a way where you're both spurring them on to what they need to go do and at the same time encouraging them to be responsible for like, do they have the talent? Have they logged the skill? Do, like where, where, you know, where they're at. How do you talk to those folks? Well, several things come to mind. Um, and just to point out, I mean, I, I made that declaration and decision in my head in January, but I still had to finish out my school year. Um, so I still taught all the way through June, which gave me a good chunk of time to really, um, you know, figure some things out. And I think just by, I think in the moment when I did make that declaration and you actually said, you know, I I can sense your excitement, but there's some things that you really need to do before, you know, I think that was always in the back of my head. Um, so the first thing, it was an emotional roller coaster those six months because, you're so excited about this decision that you finally made. And then it doesn't get received very well by the majority of people. Um, I can't tell you how many people told me I was crazy. One of the first things I stopped doing was telling people, um, and trying to get feedback from them because I wasn't going to hear what I wanted to hear. Um, there were two people that were super supportive, my best friend and my fiance, and I reserved those conversations uh, with them. Um, they gave me great feedback and they were very supportive. Um, the other thing I did was um, as part of the Go conference, um, I invested in three months of coaching. I wish I could have done longer, but honestly, that was what I could do with you know the resources I had at that moment. Yeah. But um, that, was, that was huge. So I had a coach and I was part of the Faster Mind group. Um, and we had weekly assignments and accountability and, um, just really the support that I needed and the practical advice to what that looks like as a full-time entrepreneur, Jen Disney, who also happens to be, um, a very talented wedding photographer was my coach. So it was great to be working with her because she had some very, um, practical ways that she helped me. And then in addition to that, I would say I just read a ton of books. I read Do Over by John Acuff and Jeff Goins and um, Brene Brown and just all these really amazing authors that I felt like were my personal cheerleaders. Yeah. Um, and then podcasts became like my new best friend. Um, <laughs> totally. You know, I didn't even know what a podcast was until you. And then 
And I thought you were kind of crazy at first. I'm like, what is this? I don't get it. And then once I, you know, I, I became a listener of Converge and, and then I discovered all these other podcasts and I don't even listen to the radio anymore. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, either. Yeah. I mean, when I'm in the car, I'm listening to a podcast when I'm editing on my computer, I'm listening to the podcast and there's just so much free information out there. And I think, um, I really ran my business from a creative place for so many years because that's just, I didn't know any better. And I have learned so much business savvy from other people out there that are making a go of it as well. I love that. You know, it's, it's funny. I, um, if I was going to dissect what you've been saying so far, a couple of things I'm hearing, and I want to just check my assumptions here. One of them things I'm hearing is, uh, when you made that declaration in January for you, the declaration internally was the beginning point, even, but you, you were conscious to the responsibility. It actually speaks back to that victim to responsibility thing. It wasn't just like you get to go do what willy nilly, what you feel like doing. It's more like, no, I'm so serious about this declaration. I'm going to go do the hard work behind the scenes to set myself up to win. And it seems like over those next four, four to six months, what you put yourself in a position for through the learning, becoming like autodidactic, where you're just taking responsibility for your learning and teaching yourself and getting after those resources. Those were all actually practical indicators, results that were pointing you in a direction that was, you could, you could trust. Like even as other people were skeptical of your moves, you were kind of gaining in your own confidence that, no, no, look, these are, this is proof that I'm taking this seriously. I'm doing, I'm reading this stuff. I'm taking action here. I'm investing in myself. I'm seeing concrete results. And number one, I want to ask if that's, if that's, if I'm reading that accurately. And and then the second piece, I love the way you describe going from a creative place to really what I'm hearing is really a a commitment to entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear what difference that's made for you when you've kind of related with your business primarily as a business person and secondarily as a creative, did did that have cause you to like lose your creativity or be less creative? Um, or has it actually amplified your creativity or put you in a better position? And I'd love to hear answers to both. Um, I always think back to when Chase regarded, or he referred to running a business as being terrifying and, and just, it's a nightmare. I don't know if you remember him saying that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Chase Reeves uh, over at fizzle.co was like one yes. of our speakers as well. Yeah. And he said, and I, I, it's, I think it's in the promo video, actually, where he talks about oh, it. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. That's right. I think you're, that's exactly where it's from. So th- that's how, exactly how I felt. And you know, it's so crazy. Um, I think as part of the Go conference, there was like an intake that we had to complete, or it might have been part of the Faster Mind, where we had to really sit down and figure out numbers and, you know, dollar signs. And, and I had never done that for my business. I mean, really, I hadn't. And you're not alone. You're not alone. It's crazy. There's so many people who do it on like, no, it's it's manifest destiny and I, I'm creative and I'm made to go do this. But they, if they really are, they're missing this backbone of, well, show me the numbers. Right, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm so glad you noticed that. That's great. Yeah. And so, and I think maybe because I had been teaching and had a full-time job with a guaranteed paycheck that that's just what paid the bills and my photography business was maybe my play money. It really wasn't my play money, but, um, but you get the idea. Um, so, I mean, just little things like that just really brought my attention to, um, you know, what, what was required of being a successful business owner and what that looked like. And, and I really, I really had to learn how to, um, you know, navigate that part 
of the job. Um, and as far as the creativity part goes, I think now that I'm actually doing this full time, I feel more creative than ever. Um, I have so many ideas. I'm launching another personal project. Literally, I've just bought the URL today. Um, and I, I mean, I just feel I have so many ideas. I have so many goals and so many aspirations for my future. It's kind of like when somebody retires and they're like, I don't know how I ever had time to work because they have so many (laughs) projects, you know, I feel like that. Like, I don't know how I ever ran my photography business because I'm busier now than I've ever been before doing my one job than I was with two. So I'm doing it better. That's for sure. Um, so I think it's really sparked my creativity, if anything. So, okay. So last question. So, uh, you're at coffee and you're talking to a friend who finally gets real about what they know they should have been doing for a long time. Um, how do you, what do you, what do you say to them? Cause, and, and, and I actually want you to picture this cause this is actually happening right now. Cause you're having a virtual conversation with some friends at home who you don't know, who are, have these earbuds in, maybe they're working out, maybe they're making dinner, maybe they're, um, they're hiding in their cubicle. Who knows what they're doing? <laughs> Uh, but you are talking directly to them. What, and I'll leave you with the last word. What do you want to tell them? Do it. You have to do it. You owe it to yourself to do it. And it's better to do it and fail than not to do it at all. And I almost didn't run the half marathon on Sunday. Um, I shot a wedding the night before I was exhausted. I was in pain and I did it anyways. And it was hard. But I felt so accomplished. If I wouldn't have done it, I would have been beating myself up for years to come. Um, I didn't break any records. I had my worst time probably ever. Well, actually, I had one worse. Um, but <laughs> so you you've know? been doing these for a while. It's so funny <laughs> to me because you referenced a half marathon way back when, but you, these are live and real for you now while you're running your business. And you ran one just this past weekend. Yeah, and I did one a month ago too. So I've done six now and I hate running. But running to me is the ultimate metaphor for life. I mean, it is hard for me to run, but um, it's so worth it. The Just that feeling of accomplishment and crossing that finish line, it's always very emotional for me. Um, I keep on referring back to Go because obviously it was such a prof- had such a profound impact on me. But when I left Go in the midst of making that life-changing decision, I passed a CrossFit gym and there was a quote on the outside of the gym that said, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And something to that effect. And that's kind of, that's, I remind myself, it's going to be hard. I mean, this isn't all like rainbows and butterflies. This is hard work, but it's worth it. And and I love it. This was episode 058 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. GobiCollective.com is the home for all things Converge. There you'll find past episodes with folks like Seth Godin, Gretchen Rubin, Jay Allison, Chris Gillibo, Ann Hanley, Ryan Holiday, and Starly Kind of Gimlo Media's The Mystery Show and Conan O'Brien fame. 
Speaking of mysteries, when you're at Gobi Collective, you might just want to put on your own detective hat and investigate the link to our conference for creative entrepreneurs. It's called Go, the Converge Summit, and it's going to be incredible. Besides the obvious Newport Beach in January bit of awesome, there will be amazing speakers and excursions and definitely plenty of mysterious surprises. Like last year, when Seth Godin joined in unannounced. No kidding. Check the video for proof. Yep. Awesome. Who knows what will be happening again this year? One thing's for sure is you don't want to miss it. What's that link again, you ask? Well, how about I give you two? GobiCollective.com and the more direct, ConvergeSummit.com. Music today provided by Triple Scoop Music. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And special thanks to Sharla for being with us. Visit her at charlabluephotography.com. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time.